In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So, last weekend, we celebrated the feast of the baptism of Jesus, sometimes referred to as Epiphany, or sometimes referred to, and we were talking about how this is the feast of the revelation of God, that God was revealed, God whom no one has seen at any time, was revealed and the holy trinity the concept of the holy trinity that was just not present in the old testament the, the holy trinity was present but the concept the understanding thereof was was very much not there he was revealed clearly in the father and the son in the water and the dove descending upon him um, in the water the holy spirit and so um, and so that's like, and last week we talked about how it's just such an earth-shattering thing. And you're going to find all of the readings of this Coptic month are all focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, are all focusing on what baptism changes in our lives. And I tell you the truth, baptism is probably, probably the most, the richest gift that the church has to offer to anybody. Um, uh, there was a, a while ago, maybe about a year ago, I ended up praying a baptism almost every Sunday morning for like four or five weeks or six weeks. And one of the deacons who was always here early, uh, who didn't know me, he was new to our church at the time, um, and uh, he uh, leaned over to me after one of the baptisms and he goes to me, Father John, you look really happy. And I said, yeah, I, I am. And he said, why, why are you so happy? You're always so happy during these baptisms. And I'm like, I, I had never stopped to reflect on it, you know, I was, because there's a lot to do for the priest. Uh, anyways, in baptisms, there's three different kinds of oil and the water and this and that and making sure the water and practical things, making sure the water is warm, warm enough and so on. And all these things, you know, that that my mind is racing in different places. I never stopped to think to take a step back and say, wow. Yeah, I really do enjoy this. Actually, this is probably one of my favorite things to do is baptism. When I get the opportunity to speak with people who want to join the church um, about, about baptism, then they do this with their sponsor. Usually, usually their sponsor says, begs if they can also be baptized because they didn't know all of this. They didn't know that all of this occurred during their their baptism and they want to participate knowingly now they want to participate consciously uh, in it that's what this whole month that's what this whole coptic month is about and we're in the third week of it and the psalm says that we that was read to us by the reader it says we went through fire and through water but you have brought us out to rich fulfillment what's it talking about went through water went through the water so think of like walking through a waterfall you know so we went through the water we didn't just stagnate in the water but we went through the water and through fire oh geez that sounds kind of scary what's he talking about he's talking this the psalmist you know is prophesying that jesus came to give us a baptism of water and spirit and then after that the gospel was read a baptism of water and fire saint john the baptist says the gospel was read i don't know if any of you noticed who did all the talking in the gospel that was just read i don't know if you noticed john the baptist did all the talking you know if you have if you have one of those bibles that has like the words of christ in red you know 
This is a page that's all black. Jesus didn't do the talking. In the Gospel of Matins, which was from John 3, verses 1 to 21, Jesus talks with Nicodemus. Nicodemus asks Jesus a question and Jesus does all the talking. But in the Gospel which we just read now, which was John 3, 22, to the end of the chapter, this is what happens. People stirs, you know, people who like to stir the pot, like to cause trouble, like to make problems between people. Everybody knows somebody like that. Well, St. John the Baptist must have known a few as well. They go to him and they tell him, that man you baptized, that Jesus, he and his disciples are baptizing more than you. So John answers. He says, you don't know nothing. You don't understand. I am the friend of the bridegroom. And he was making a specific reference to something. But basically, like, I'm the best man. I'm not the groom. Okay? I rejoice at the sound of the voice of the bridegroom. He means I rejoice to see the bridegroom coming. And there's a lot of context around that, historical context, but I'll save you today. Basically, the friend of the bridegroom would go to prepare and he would do a lot of preparation and the, no one knew when the bridegroom was going to come. It was like a surprise, right? And so he says, I rejoice to hear the voice of the bridegroom because I've doing, been doing all this pre preparing and now everything that I've been preparing for is going to happen. I'm not the groom. The glory is not for me. The glory is for him. I must decrease. He must increase. Or I, he says, I'm, he must increase and I must decrease and so on. Right? And John, St. John the Baptist says some really, really, really beautiful things. But you know what's absolutely remarkable? Now, this is the, absolutely the most remarkable thing in the whole wide world about this gospel. Is that St. John the Baptist is the first person to make reference in the gospels to everlasting life. So, in Jewish theology in Jesus's time the afterlife was contested it wasn't like it wasn't like everybody was sure you die and then you go somewhere like the Sadducees the reigning religious political party at the time believed that you didn't they believed that you died and you died and when you're dead you're dead right so you have a relationship with God here but then you go kind of nowhere right and that's why they, they really believed the prosperity theology. You know, they really believed like eat, drink and be merry. If you're good, God rewards you here on earth, you know, and live it up. Of course, they, the Pharisees were the opposite. They believed in an afterlife. And they believed that the, that the, that the, uh, that the Sadducees were gluttonous and that they were, and you know, and that they were being, they were abusing um, the, the gifts that God had given them and so on. But to tell you that this wasn't something that was like widely accepted. And certainly there was no guarantee that it was everlasting. But St. John says so clearly, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Period. It's a non-conditional statement outside of that phrase. He who believes has everlasting life. Period. Believes in the Son. As simple as that. Reference to the same was made in the second reading that we read, which was a letter written by St. John the Beloved, the disciple, not the Baptist. And he says something 
he says something really beautiful. He says, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So how do I know that I'm with God and that God is with me? Well, I don't know. Are you with God? I, I don't but Father John, that's the question I just asked you. So what's, what's your, like, what do, you, what do you have to add? What's your answer? St. John's answer is, are you? Is God with you? This is key, okay? This is the game changer. I said this in the, inter, in the introduction to the readings. This is what gives me confidence to do anything, honestly. I'm not saying I can do anything or I should do anything. But if I'm called, driven, pushed, if I have to do anything, this is what gives me the confidence to do it. Not my competence, not my track record, not my uh, you know, past in academia, not this, not that. What gives me the confidence is how closely I know God is standing beside me. I was teaching my, tried to teach my daughter how to ride a bike, right? As long, as long as I'm beside her and she can see me or feel me, she's okay. The moment I just take a step back and pull my hands away, she freaks out. Right? And it's the same. It's exactly the same. This is exactly what, that's exactly the same. Paul says in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last chapter, he says, And by this we know that we have everlasting life, that he has given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. 522, I believe. He has given us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. My question to you and my question to me is what is your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit? You were baptized, maybe, maybe not. If you were, if you weren't, I have so much to share with you. If you were, you were baptized, great. After baptism, you were chrismated, fantastic. You received the Holy Spirit. Great. What's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Like, is this something of enormous wealth that I've tucked into a drawer for safekeeping, maybe for later? Or something I received so long ago, I've forgotten that it's there? Or maybe it's not something, but maybe it's a some. One that is meant to have a relationship with me all day long. You know, we say all kinds of funny things in Sunday school, like to little kids that don't make any sense at all, right? Like Jesus is in my heart. I love this. Jesus is in my heart. Jesus was a grown man. You know, the estimates are that he was probably about five foot four, five foot six. They, you know, people were a lot shorter back then in that time. You know, the remains of people we found and so on. The idea that he's in my heart is a little bit hard to grasp. Okay, but Father John, no, like Jesus is in my heart. Like, stop bashing this Jesus. This is really like, this is, this is near and dear to me, man. Like, stop, stop. No, but who is in your heart? His spirit, the spirit of Jesus. His flesh is incarnate on the altar. His flesh was incarnate in a manger. 
He ascended to heaven in the flesh. His flesh is in heaven. All of those statements are true. All at the same time. Which is kind of something that boggles our minds. Because God is beyond time. He's as much on the altar as he is in the manger in Bethlehem. As he is in the flesh in heaven. But what is in my heart? His spirit. His very own spirit. You have a spirit. Why you do what you do and how you do it. And what makes you you and what gives you life. And why your life is different from somebody else's life. Is your spirit. Jesus has given us his spirit. The spirit of God. The spirit of the Holy Trinity. Is with me. And I have reason to believe that you and I, both of us, are in conversation with him all day long, just most of the time, we don't know it. You know why? I'll tell you why. I'll finish with this. Have you ever had a good idea? A good idea, just one. Have you ever made a right decision in your life? Just one, okay? Not a million, not the most important, not whatever. Just one good idea. Ever in your life? I hope so, you know? Just one. Right? All of us have done something right at some point, right? Now, I hate to break it to you. That wasn't you, right? I hate to break it to you. Yeah, you, had, you had some help with that. I had some help with that. I hate to break it to you. That was somebody whispering in your ear and in mine, Psst, John, try this. The best things in my life have all started on one course and ended in a completely different one. I started going one way and when I look back and I retrace my steps and I think about what made me make that completely different change in direction, I have no idea. That was God whispering in your ear. That was the Spirit of God moving inside of you. But when we know him, when we recognize him, when we give credence to him, we give, when we give credence to him, we give credential to him, we believe him. I hear many little voices, but what voice am I going to listen to? If I can know him, if I can recognize him, I can have confidence and I can know that the information I'm getting is worth following. God is with you. The most useful piece of advice I ever heard about how to hear the voice of God in my life was this. It's so simple. Was to ask. But not once. To ask a lot. To ask every day. To ask with every prayer. One day my spiritual father leaned over to me and he said, do you really want to know the voice of God? And I told him, yes. And he told me, every time you pray, pray and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Glory be to God forever and ever, man. I have sinned. Forgive me. Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, please pray for me.